I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Now, as you're finding the place, I want to share something very special with you. At, after the sermon, the invitation, and the offering, we're going to have a very special presentation. It will be about four minutes in length. I know that during the invitation, some of you leave, uh, I think, to go get Sunday school rooms ready or things like that. I'm going to ask, well, you do what you want to do. I'm just going to encourage you today to not do that because I think you'll regret very much what you miss. So I want to encourage you to stay in the room until that presentation is over today. So that will be in just a little while. We continue today our series on what every Christian should know. We began by asking the question, are you a Christian for certain? And then we've dealt with things like this, what every Christian should know about the Bible, what every Christian should know about God, what every Christian should know about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, prayer, missions, the church, baptism, the Lord's Supper, grace, worship, temptation, all these not necessarily in order, and I think I may have forgotten one or two, but today what every Christian should know about the will of God. So I want to ask you to stand two very short verses, and then you may be seated. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. You may be seated. Seeking the will of God, it is not a game. God wants us to know His will for our lives, and He will make it known. Occasionally, He wants us to wrestle with discernment. But most of the time, He makes His will very, very obvious, most often through Scripture, and never, ever, 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 ever in contradiction to Scripture. I may have mentioned before the man who came to see me in my office a few years ago and said to me, God has told me to divorce my wife and marry another woman. My reply was, someone may have told you to divorce your wife and marry another woman, but it is not God, for that would contradict His Word, and God's will never contradicts His Word. So the big question for us this morning is: are these, do you want to know God's will, and will you obey? Now, there are several thoughts I want to leave with us this morning as we think about what every Christian should know about the will of God, and the first is this, the will of God is not. The will of God is not. First of all, the will of God is not a map. The will of God is not a map. Does anyone use road maps made of paper anymore? Yeah, okay. There's some dinosaurs. All right. 
I love maps. I have since I was a kid. I have in my office a stack of maps from National Geographic, <laughs> about this thick. I love maps. When I was a little boy, we'd go somewhere. I'd sit in the back seat. I'd have a map, and I'd look to see where we were going. I wanted to know where we were going. I've always loved maps. However, it is the 21st century, so if I'm going to Austin, for instance, to some destination that I'm not sure where it is, I'm not going to use a paper map. I'm going to use a phone app. And so for me, it's Google Maps. So I'll put in, before I ever pull out of the driveway, I'll put in the address. And then I'll just listen to that <coughs> that voice <coughs> as as she tells me where to go. Get off at this exit, turn left here, turn right there. And so I think most of us these days have learned how to use those maps and listen to the voice and usually they'll get us where we need to be. God does not give roadmaps of paper or roadmaps that are phone apps. The will of God is built on a relationship with him. Let me say that again. The will of God is built on a relationship with him. So in relationship He speaks to Abram in Genesis. He said, Abram, tear down your tents, pack up your belongings, get your family, your livestock, your sheep and your goats, and go to a place I will show you. God did not say go north, go south, go east, go west. God just said go to a place I will show you. And he did. A day by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus said to Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Did it ever occur to you that they might have said, Where are we going? Jesus said very simply, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so, on a day-by-day relationship of fellowship. In a day-by-day relationship of fellowship, we will know God's will for our lives. Because as we practice fellowship based on relationship, we will find ourselves at the right place at just the right time. In my relationship with my wife, Sharon we met through the church. Now, we disagree. After 43 years of marriage, we still disagree as to where we met. (laughs) Now, if the pattern is accurate, then I'm sure she's right. But (laughs) one of us says we met at a Bible study. The other says we met at Sunday school. But I would submit to you, it really doesn't matter. We were in the right place at the right time because being in a Bible study or being in Sunday school is never the wrong place at the wrong time. And so it is in one of those two places that we met and the rest is history. Another thing that the will of God is not is the will of God is not misery. 
The will of God is not misery. Now, the thought of that would be based on a premise that doing God's will will make us miserable. God will make me go somewhere I don't want to go or he'll make me do something I don't want to do. But I want you to remember John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Or in King James, I am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. There is another thing that the will of God is not, and that is this. The will of God is not that we all go to Africa or Asia or South America or Europe or Seattle or New Orleans. There is this notion on the part of some that doing God's will means I'll end up living in a grass hut in Uganda. And guess what? It might, it might mean that. But not for most of us. Not for most of us. God has a plan for the pastor. He has a plan for the teacher. He has a plan for the plumber. He has a plan for the architect. He has a plan for the engineer. He has a plan for the bus driver. He has a plan for all of us. And he wants to use us right where we are right now. There's another thing that the will of God is not. The will of God is not that everyone have a Damascus Road experience. Now, you remember the experience of Saul on the road to Damascus as he's headed in that direction to arrest more Christians and bring them back to imprison them in Jerusalem. And ultimately, his intention was that many of them be put to death. But on the road to Damascus, Saul had an encounter with God. And you're familiar with it. And sometimes folks will say, well, I haven't had a Damascus road experience. Well, not everyone has a Damascus Road experience, though some of you have or will. But many of us don't have a Damascus Road experience, and we should not think that God only reveals His will to us through Damascus Road-type experiences. Another thing that the will of God is not is the will of God is not too late. Someone says, well, I'm 55, it's too late. I'm 85, it's too late. I'm in college, it's too late. It's never too late. Even if God's best plan for you was something that you aren't doing, it isn't too late to restart and reprogram. Another thing that the will of God is not is the will of God is not hidden. Like playing hide and seek which my grandkids like to do even though a couple of them are now teenagers. There's still something about playing hide-and-seek with Papa. God is not playing hide-and-seek with us. Suppose tomorrow morning I ask Gary to come in my office. In fact, he will. We meet every Monday morning. And when Gary comes in, suppose I say to him, Gary, I have something very, very important that I want you to do. And Gary says, well, what is it, Pastor? And I say, I'm not telling you. Figure it out yourself. (laughs) Well, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that. God doesn't do that either. God doesn't say I have something very important for you to do. Now you just figure it out. The will of God is not hidden. He does not play hide and seek with us 
Now that leads me to the second thing about what every Christian should know about the will of God. And that's this, the will of God is. Look at what it's not. What is it? The will of God is both global and personal. First of all, the will of God is global. That is, what I mean by that is common to every believer. Common to every Christ follower. For instance, and I can't name them all, but here are a few. For instance, the will of God is global in that we should be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's how Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's pretty plain. Understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So the will of God is global for every believer that we be filled with the Spirit, that we live clean, wholesome lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. For instance, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will. There you go. That perks. I mean, you want to know the will of God when it says it is God's will. That your ears should perk up. There it is. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. So the will of God is that we live a clean and wholesome life. The will of God is that we be a servant. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider himself to be uh, above, above God, but considered himself equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing by what? Taking the very nature of a servant. And the first part of the passage says, let this mind be in you and me, which was in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we are to be servants. Servants of the Lord, servants of one another, servants of our fellow man. The will of God also is global in that we are to rejoice, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is also God's will that we suffer. Did I have to throw that one in there? 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And if you belong to Christ, then you're one of the everyone's. Persecution will come in some shape, form, or fashion to every believer. It is God's will that we witness, go into all the world, make disciples of every nation. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are, it is God's will that we be a witness. It is God's will that we go to church. I'm glad you're here. You're being obedient to God. Hebrews 10. 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So it is God's will that we go to church. It is God's will that we be a faithful steward. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it is the will of God that we be faithful stewards. Now, among the multitude of verses that I could list, I'll close it out with this one. We, it is God's will that we give glory to God. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you get the picture. The will of God is global in that for every believer, for every Christ follower, there are things that we are to do that are the will of God for us. And then there are those things that are personal to you or personal to me that begins with your giving your life to Christ. When the Holy Spirit tugs at your heart, He is never saying, next month, give your life to Christ. Next year, give your life to Christ. Someday, down the road, in the by and by, when you finish doing all those things you want to do now, then give your life to Christ. When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and tugs on your heart, it is a now invitation. And so if that invitation is coming to your heart this morning, I plead with you, it is the will of God that you be saved. And then it is the the will of God in many particular areas of your life. For instance, you may get to those teenage years and say... Where should I go to college? Or should I go to college? Should I go to the military? Should I go uh, directly into the workforce? Or some combination thereof? What should I do? God will make it clear. As you walk in relationship with Him. Apart from relationship, you'll be confused. But as you walk in relationship with Him, He will make it known. Who should I marry? Who is the perfect person for me? Who is that lady? Who is that man that I am to marry? What job should I take? Where should I work? Where should I serve through my church? What what should I do? What can I do to bless others with my resources? All of those are things in which God through the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and to mine, not in confusion, not playing hide and seek, but plainly, clearly impressing upon our hearts in relationship with Him. Here is what I want you to do. There are way too many times in my own life, uh, of all my years of walking with Christ, when I have known, I mean, I'm just telling you times when I have known in my heart what God wanted me to do and I said no it wasn't confusion 
It wasn't that I didn't know. It wasn't that it was 50-50 and I'll toss a coin. It was I knew, but I didn't want to do it, so I said I'm not going to do it. That's a mistake that in some way every believer will come to regret. And if God chooses to be so good and gracious to you, he'll come back and give you another chance. But when he speaks, obey, do what he tells you to do. Now, now the third thing, so we know what the will of God is not, what the will of God is, it's both global and personal. Thirdly, the will of God is biblical. It's the bottom line. The will of God is biblical. Read his word and obey and you will be doing the will of God in everything you do. Anything beyond that, God will reveal it to you. More just a second on that. Maybe it's because of the proximity to the University of Mary and Baylor, but I get lots of students in college seems to be the time that they start thinking about this uh, in earnest. Uh, How do I know who I'm supposed to marry. I get that a lot, really. I love that question. How do I know the one I'm supposed to marry? My my standard answer is, you'll know. God will tell you. You will know. Often, as they sit in front of me, they think they already know. They just want some kind of confirmation about it. Is this the right lady? Is the right man? But but I, I went through that. In my 20s, I'm, I knew I wanted to be married. I'm, I'm, I'm praying about who is it supposed to be. And I get kids say, how did you know it was supposed to be Sharon? I just, I just knew. I, I just... There's no verse in the Bible. I can't go to Hezekiah 12, 12 and find a verse that says, Andy Davis, you should marry Sharon Crane of, of Dallas, Texas. Now, that's not there. The verse isn't there. But what is there is that I should desire to marry a believer. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I should marry a believer. I knew that. I had absolutely no desire to marry an unbeliever. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Nothing. I did not want to marry an unbeliever. Even in days when my life wasn't what it should have been, I knew I don't want to marry an unbeliever. That was the beginning point. So where am I going to meet a believer that I want to marry? Well, that narrows the field really quickly, really quickly. And so I knew I want to marry a believer. I want to marry a woman of strong, godly character. I want to marry a woman who, uh, purity of life. I want to marry someone who is called to ministry or 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 willing to be married to someone who is in the ministry because i'll tell you a minister's wife or a minister's husband uh, is equally called just like the minister's called his spouse her spouse is called to to serve and so i knew that was important and then of course god gave me a bonus in that he allowed me to marry a beautiful woman and i hope you feel the same way about your wife uh, that that was just a bonus. It, I knew in my mind the outward appearance is not as important. I mean, you, when you're a 20 year old man, the outward importance, is, outward appearance is pretty important. But but I, I knew in my mind you can't be looking at that. You got to be looking at the heart. You got to be looking at the heart. Out of relationship, God will make His will known to you whatever area of life you're dealing with. Now, let me, let me move on. 
Number four, the will of God is provisional. Now, here's what I mean by that. Provisional based on your obedience and your teachable heart. Based on your obedience and your teachable heart. Are you willing to know the will of God and then willing to obey it? Often, what we really want is an option. I want to know it, but I want an option as to whether I obey God's will or or, or not. Church is no option. We obey. We want to know and we, we obey. We want to have teachable hearts that are soft and pliable that are a result of our walk with him. A result of our walk with him. Now, there's a fifth thing about the will of God. The will of God is revealed. It, it is. I, I know I've already said that, but I wanted it to be a standalone point. The will of God is revealed. How is it revealed? Several ways. One is by Scripture. One is by Scripture. For instance, in thinking about marriage, I knew there was a verse in the Bible that said, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And I applied that to marriage. And, and I knew that I needed to marry a, a believer. The will of God, all those verses we looked at earlier, there's some things we don't have to question, we don't have to ask about. It's God's will. It's revealed in Scripture. We know, we know, we know what we're supposed to do. The will of God is sometimes revealed to us by people. Now, let me clarify that by people who love Jesus and love you. People who love Jesus and love you, who give you wise advice or counsel. When, when I knew as a, as, a, as a young engineer that God was calling me to the ministry, I sought counsel. Um, it's hard to relive and think about all that, to, to know everything I was thinking all those years ago. But I sought wise advice and counsel. And I, I want to tell you in the back of my mind, I didn't. I did not want to do this. I did not want to do it. The thought of standing up in front of folks like you and preaching horrified me. Now, nothing wrong with you. Just, I didn't want to do it. Absolutely did not want to do it. Uh, so I, I knew, I mean, I didn't go to seek counsel. How, you know, is God calling me or not? I knew the answer to that. But I sought counsel anyway, because I just needed somebody to help me. <laughs> I remember going to um, H. Leo Edelman, who was a retired president from New Orleans Seminary, and he was my Sunday school teacher. Um, the only Sunday school teacher I've ever had who was better than Dr. Edelman is Dr. Wallace Davis. That, uh, Dr. Edelman was incredible. So I went to him and I talked about it. He, he gave me some good advice. Then just as I was getting ready to go, he looked at me and he said, Davis, he always called me Davis. I don't know if he couldn't remember Andy or he just called everybody by their last name. But he said, Davis, I'll tell you something. There are people in the ministry who ought not be there. So here's my advice, my closing advice to you. Walk away. Wow. I mean, why don't you just slap my face? <laughs> walk away. He said, walk away. He said, Davis, if you're not called then you don't need to be in the ministry. And if you walk away, you'll walk away. God will leave you alone. 
But if you're really called, you will not be able to walk away. So I took a deep breath and said, okay, I'll try that. (laughs) Didn't last long because I knew God had called me. God speaks to us through people who love us, godly, wise people. God speaks to us by the Spirit through that still, small voice. Now, listen to me carefully about that still, small voice. That's dangerous for those not walking with Jesus. Because the voice you are hearing may not be the voice of the Spirit. Remember, knowing the will of God comes from relationship with God. Walk with Jesus. And when you do, then you'll sense that still small voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And you'll know where it comes from. And you'll know what you need to do. And then he speaks to us by his wisdom as we ask for it. James 1.5, any man, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God for it. And he'll give it to you generously. God's wisdom. And then there's one more that I didn't think about till last night. I added it by his providence. He speaks by his providence. If you were here the first Sunday in November when Eugene Soligbinko was here and spoke, our our partner in, in Moldova, he is an example of God's providence. We've been in relationship now with Moldova as a church for eight, nine, ten. I don't, I can't, I don't know how long, eight, nine, ten years. It all started at the Atlanta airport with an, with a clear example of the providence of God. There were a group of us, there were a group of men who had been to a conference in Atlanta and we're at the Atlanta airport ready, ready to fly back here. I don't remember if it was Austin or Dallas, but one of those two. And have you ever been to the Atlanta airport? Good grief. Humongous. They've got A, B, C, D, E, F, six. They've got six terminals plus that, that, how many? Seven? Seven terminals. The Delta, Delta flight attendant right here tells seven terminals. All of them are humongous with like, what, 30 something gates in each one. Uh, now you, let me ask you, what are the odds that Eugene would be on a flight at a gate right next to our gate coming back here, the Atlanta airport. You take 30-something gates, multiply it times seven. <laughs> How many choices? Are he was at the gate right next to ours. He sees a bunch of men with Bibles. He comes over and says, you must be Christians. You're carrying a Bible. And we struck up a conversation, and the rest is history. There is the providence of God. Only God could have done that. Now, here's my last word about the will of God. The will of God is finally for his glory. Not mine, but his. For his glory. For when we do his will, we bring glory to his name. And then the will of God is for your good for his glory and for your good because he loves you and that's what every christian needs to know about the will of god would you bow with me please for prayer in a moment we're going to stand brother gary will lead us in our hymn of invitation
We offer this invitation because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in a room with this many people, there are some who do not yet know Jesus. And the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart this morning. And you know it. There's no question about it. You know it. And so in a moment, when we stand and begin to sing, the invitation is for you to leave your seat, come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, open God's word, share with you that on this morning, the first Sunday of December, 2018, you can come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. So you sense that tugging. Will you come? And then for those of us who already know Jesus in regard to the will of God, as he speaks to us in relationship, in quietness, through his word, through the spirit, will we be obedient? And then when we are, it is for our good and for his glory. So, Father, I pray now that you would draw someone to yourself this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You stand, you come as we sing.